I'm Carol Joy Side, and welcome to the Homeschool Made Simple podcast. You're listening to episode 27. This is a podcast to help you homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably. Today, I want to talk about something that I'm quite passionate about, and that is how to make our children lovers of art. I was an art major my entire life until I went to graduate school and and got a master's degree in education. But until then, my identity and my expression was through fine art. And to this day, I still live the life of someone who enjoys beauty and creativity in everything that I do. But as a new Christian, I was very confused because I assumed that I, as I became a Christian at the age of 21, graduating from college as an art major, having studied art in London, fabric design, as well as here in the United States, I really felt that there was a conflict between Christianity and the life of an artist. Of course, I hadn't lived the life of a Christian as an artist and had never really seen it modeled, but I read a little booklet by Francis Schaeffer in the first months of my Christian life, and it was called Art and the Christian, and it rocked my world. And so I went on to write an article for homeschool homeschooling today magazine and i talk about my kind of awakening to the life of art in the heart of a believer so i thought i would start by reading the article that i wrote many years ago and then i want to share with you some great resources and books that i think will just enrich your lives and your children's as well so let's begin i'll read you the article first It was called Making Your Children Lovers of Art. As a new believer, I somehow had the idea that the term Christian artist was an oxymoron. How could one be a Christian and yet line yourself up with the world of art? Unless, of course, you design tracks or bumper stickers. Soon after coming to know the Lord, I read a little booklet on just that subject by Francis Schaeffer that transformed my thinking. Schaefer explained that all of the believer's life is an outgrowth of his relationship with Christ. There are not two boxes for our lives, one for spiritual things and one for secular things, but rather all of our life has spiritual significance. God is a God of order and beauty. He is the ultimate creator, and when we are creative, we are actually mirroring his image. The other side of the coin is that not all art is created equal. The key question in observing art is, what is the underlying worldview being represented here? True art is not just something to decorate a blank spot on the wall, but rather it has a message and meaning behind it. Our job is to teach our children how to identify what that underlying philosophy is. Instead of the mindless, I don't know much about art, but I do know what I like. They'll actually be able to tell you which artists they like and why. Because classical art and music should be so much a part of all of our lives, 
the ideal situation would be to simply raise a child in an artistically saturated environment from birth. What prints are on the walls of the nursery? Are they quality reproductions of possibly Mary Cassatt or Jesse Wilcox Smith? Or are they poorly done, typical nursery fare? The price for the quality prints may actually be less in a museum gift shop than the already framed nursery decorations at a toy store. Price is not the issue. It's important that we expose our babies to quality art. The best way to teach someone to know the faults is through great familiarity with the true. Bank tellers in training are given stacks of real money to handle for hours at a time before a counterfeit bill is inserted in the stack. In the same way, a child raised among a few quality pieces of art bristles at exposure to cheap, coarse imitations. As our children grow up and leave our homes, we'll not always be there to look over their shoulders and everything they observe. Our job is to teach them how to think Christianly. When the modern culture bombards them on every side, how will they know the true from the counterfeit? They'll know because the true is like an old friend they have known all their lives. They will spot him in any crowd. Don't be intimidated if you wouldn't know a Picasso from a Vlaminck. Most people don't. The exciting thing is there are wonderful resources available for every family, many free for the asking at any public library. By purchasing just a few selected helps such as How Shall We Then Live by Francis Schaeffer, you can begin to educate yourselves so that you may then educate your children. In his book, Dr. Schaeffer traverses the flow of Western civilization. He teaches such things as why the Reformation artists such as Rembrandt and Van Eyck were philosophically different from their Southern Renaissance neighbors Michelangelo and Leonardo. By taking each chapter in small doses, this is not light reading, you could easily digest a unit study around each, sorry, you could easily design a unit study around each time period. For example, ancient Rome, the Middle Ages, the Renaissance, the Reformation. Using How Shall We Then Live as your philosophical springboard, you could use great books such as Piero Ventura's Great Painters to give your children a visual scope and sequence of the chronological flow of art. To supplement an overview like that, the libraries are full of lovely, oversized coffee table books on every artist imaginable. Let your children grow up paging through these on rainy days with a cozy quilt and a fire in the fireplace. Allow these great paintings and the men and women who created them to become dear friends. Cornerstone Curriculum's Adventures in Art, which is out of print but worth trying to find used, is designed along just these lines. It integrates Charlotte Mason's approach to teach children to really observe a few selected pieces of art. If you live in a metropolitan area or can get to one, frequent short visits to museums where children can see their paintings are unforgettable. The classical approach of sketching great art in museums is also a worthwhile endeavor, teaching the children to really know 
the painting being studied. Rather than coloring books and directed art materials, give your children quality art supplies for holidays and rewards. A new packet of pastels or a watercolor set from a real adult art supply store is often less expensive than the kitty models at the toy stores. A printer is a wonderful source for rolls of paper, print ends that are often available at no charge from their web presses. Once a child has been exposed to exquisite drawing, they may want to be able to obtain technical skills themselves. Certain children will show a gifting in the area of art. The book we have found most valuable for classical drawing techniques is Bridgman's Complete Guide to Drawing from Life. It contains over 1,000 anatomical drawings and sets the standard in its field. George Bridgman, a a teacher at the Art Student League in New York for over 30 years, taught his students in the old master's method of the study of the human body. This book includes extensive studies of the human hand, the muscles, bones, and proportions of the human anatomy, disciplines so often lacking in contemporary art schools. Regardless of whether your children ever progress beyond stick figure drawings themselves, you can still train them to be discerning and fulfilled connoisseurs of the riches of the world in fine art. This is attainable for every family, and you as a teacher may find yourself enjoying it even more than all of your students. Well, when I wrote that article, several books that I want to share with you were not available. I want to tell you about a painter, um, I'm sorry, a, a book, <laughs> I'm sorry, an illustrator on in children's literature whose name is Lawrence Anholt, L-A-U-R-E-N-C-E, and Anholt, A-N-H-O-L-T. He and his wife, Catherine, have been writing books for children in Britain for the last 30 years, and I consider the masterpiece of their career were a group of books that they did here in America for Barron's Publishers. And they were um, a series of great artists' books. They did, and I'm going to read, excuse me, I'm going to read you some of the authors uh, and the painters, I should say, that, that they wrote about. Degas and the Little Dancer, Frida Kahlo, The Bravest Girl in the World, Picasso and the Girl with a Ponytail, Leonardo and the Flying Boy, Van Gogh, Camille and the Sunflowers, Monet and His Magical Garden, Cezanne, Matisse, King of Color, and Papa Chagall, Tell Us a Story, are some of the books in the series of great artists that he and his wife uh, researched and did. He um, himself illustrates the books, and he and his wife, Catherine, traveled the world to study the life of these artists. And he tells stories about these famous artists and their interaction with children. Some of them were their own children or other children that, you know, were in their communities. But they're true, as I said. And the artists would have these um, 
moments with kids that really shaped the children's lives and also very often the artists' lives. So I love his books. Most of them, tragically, have gone out of print in the last year or so. There are, I think, four still in print. But most of them, um, you're going to have to be creative and find used. And some of them are very expensive and some are more affordable. My personal favorite is Matisse, King of Color. And wouldn't you know, it's the rarest and the most expensive. And it tells a story of Henri Matisse. And uh, he was he struggled with a lot of health problems. He happens to be my favorite artist. And if you come to visit me, I have a, a large Matisse painting in the living room because I love him and have loved him since I was probably in high school. But it's a story of his interaction with a young girl who kind of is his kind of nurse when he's ill, as he's, she's probably a teenager. And then years later, he moves to Arles in another part of France, and they ask the local convent to send someone to help take care of him. And they send a nun, and it's the same little girl, all grown up, and she is now a nun in the convent there in Arles. And he and she become such good friends, and she helps him with his paper cutouts that he creates and the different things he does at the end of his life. The most significant, of course, was the chapel that he designed there in France, in the south of France, for this young lady's convent and and her order. They were worshiping in a garage, and he just would not allow that to happen. And so with his own money, he built what is considered to be the most beautiful chapel in the world. And he used paper cutouts to design the stained glass windows, which have never been surpassed. And so I love that book, and I love the spiritual atmosphere in the book, and I love Matisse's embracing of color and the vitality of his art. And I just think most children would really relate to him. A few years ago, my son asked me how I knew my method was working. I told him I know homeschooling is working if a child is reading under the covers with a flashlight. That's because a child who stays up late at night reading loves learning. And isn't that the goal of education? To make lifelong learners. We don't need a lot of what I call holy hardware to give our children the very best education they can get. As Dr. Raymond Moore used to say, a good education requires a Bible, a library card, and a math curriculum. It doesn't have to be complicated or expensive, but you do need a plan. Over the last 35 years, I have created invaluable book lists that separate the wheat from the chaff. You don't have to waste time or energy on finding books that are worth your time. I've done the hard work for you. These book lists are the key to my system. They will save you thousands of dollars and lots of false starts and wasted energy. They really are the foundation of my approach. For the first time ever, you can get all of my book lists in one place. I've created an online course all about homeschool to teach you everything you need to know to make homeschooling work. The class is self-paced and topic-based, which makes it easy to access the videos and book lists over and over again. 
Visit my online store or click the link in the show notes to start all about homeschool today. Now back to the show. There's another book on Matisse called Mr. Matisse and His Cutouts, and it's by Anne-Marie Van Harrigan, and it's published by North-South Press, and it talks again about Matisse and his creating, once he was going blind, where he used huge scissors and large pieces of colored paper that he had painted for him, and he began to cut those and use those because he couldn't paint anymore. He would do it from his bed or his wheelchair. I love that book as well. There's also um, a little book about Mary Cassatt called Suzette and the Puppy, and that is written by Joan Sweeney, another neat picture book for children. And then I mentioned How Should We Then Live, and I highly recommend it as the core of your homeschool curriculum as your children get older. And when they're younger, I recommend that you read the chapters for yourself that are applicable and then kind of disseminate the information for your kids. But there are two books I feel like every homeschool family should own, and I'm going to share them with you. The first is a book that I mentioned in the article. It's called Great Painters, and it's written and illustrated by an Italian artist named Piero Ventura. Piero Ventura. And in his book, Great Painters, he does these kind of cartoon, darling illustrations that kids just eat up. But then he will have the actual painting of the famous artist interspersed in the cartoon format. And so it really draws kids in, particularly little boys who just cannot resist cartoons. But then They're also studying the real painting and seeing the environment in which it was painted and the story of the painter. My favorite is when Michelangelo is painting the Sistine Chapel and he has it all done in cartoon and then he has the actual Sistine Chapel above, you know, the illustration. And then it's a a, a little cartoon of Michelangelo dropping like a paint bucket right near the Pope who was torturing him and kept, you know, coming in and saying, aren't you done? Aren't you done? And so he, quote, accidentally dropped something near the Pope because he wanted to be alone up there on the um, ceiling where he was painting. Uh, Just a, a really fun little witty illustration that kids enjoy. And another book that's hard to find, but I'm going to give you a couple options, is a book called A Child's History of Art, A Child's History of Art, and it's by the first headmaster of the Calvert School. His name is V.M. Hillier, H-I-L-L-Y-E-R. And um, when this book was originally written, I have a hardback that's very valuable, they combined, he and um, his editor, E.G. Huey, who helped him with this. Um, it was originally done in 1934, so I have a first edition of it, I believe. Um, and it was um, three books basically combined. So one is painting, the second is sculpture, and the third is architecture. And I believe that the Calvert School has published these books in three separate parts and so they're like booklets and they're much more affordable and more accessible 
So um, I mentioned getting great art supplies, going to your local web press printer, maybe they print, you know, books or magazines or something, and asking for the leftovers from their presses, the, the large rolls of paper that they basically don't use, so that your kids can do murals and timelines and um, getting them Prismacolors, um, w- real watercolor sets, you know, real art supplies, uh, pastels, so that, and then also doing collages with paper cutouts and different pieces of fabric and things that you collect, magazine photos that they could do collages with. So give your children the opportunity to express themselves in your home to make a mess. Um, We're not talking, you know, sequins and glitter, but we are talking probably, you know, some art supplies that could make some little bit of minor messes. But you know, create a place, maybe get an old door, put it on sawhorses, maybe in your garage or your basement or your attic where you could leave it up all the time, not your kitchen table, which you need to clear and it becomes frustrating. But give your children a place where they can do art, maybe in their bedroom on an old door on sawhorses and give them the, the materials they need and then leave them alone to let them pursue their own interests under your guidance, but with a lot of freedom. So as I said, we're not all going to be great artists, but we can all appreciate art. In the article that I read you, I talk about letting them go to a museum and just seeing a few pieces of art. Don't spend hours dragging them through museums where they're just crying for mercy. But just study a few pieces of art that you're going to be seeing. Make it their paintings, as I called it. Let them write stories or poems or plays about those things. Let them turn it over and try and copy it. And then turn it over again and say, Oh no, there were two dogs, not one. Or there was a, a, the girl was wearing a blue dress, not a yellow dress. Oh, and then they turn it over again and try again. And really owning the art that they're studying. So important. And what Charlotte Mason Uh, taught us to do so that they own the art it's not just something that's kind of like um, I don't know background art in their lives but they they know the art they know the painter's story they know uh, the name of the painting and you can get a lot of beautiful art books that are not that expensive. If you are creative, you can buy them used, big, thick coffee table books that you can own. Once you find an artist that your children are really excited about, buy a few of these and keep them available to your kids while they're eating lunch and just dripping peanut butter. Who cares? But let them own these books and love them and copy the art that's in them. This is how to create a lifelong love for art and creativity and your children will thank you as they grow up and go through life being able to identify artists and paintings when their friends are just clueless and it isn't like as I said we're not having art class with our kids but it's creating an atmosphere as Charlotte Mason talked about where our children are growing up with fine art in their home um, and having it modeled for them. If you liked what you heard in this episode, I'd appreciate a rating and a review on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help too. Visit my website, Carol, with an E at the end, Joy Side, S-E-I-D, Carol Joy Side. 
Com to subscribe to the monthly newsletter and receive exclusive discounts in my online store where seminars and interviews are available. Be sure to tune in next week for my next episode where I help you homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably.